Now, if you know me, um, this is a huge risk. I, I, I struggle to focus if there's other noises. So I don't know why I agreed to having the children <laughs> in the service. Okay, so I don't know. I'm preaching on joy, and just pray for me that this would remain a joyful experience for me in particular. Uh, he, he did, yes, you're right. Thanks, Doug. That's really helpful. <laughs> well, so, uh, you know, no guilt trips over here. Anyway, I'm going to start off just with an illustration that will be up on the screen. Okay, so all eyes on the screen. See how this goes. Okay, so I think you can, uh, the funny backstory, uh, I was screen recording the sermon illustration uh, using the church iPad and my computer, and uh, when I had everything lined up, I started typing those first two messages, and I uh, realized I was texting my brother-in-law <laughs> in South Africa, <laughs> you know, telling him I got retrenched, you know, and the church fired me. So anyway, I, I, I had to quickly respond saying, dude, ignore those messages, I'm doing something else, it's not true. But this seems like a really strange response, right? But let me read you a verse in the Bible. James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4 says this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So in many ways, trials that come our way in, 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 as believers, as Christians, there's a way that we respond that, respond that can seem crazy, much like that text message has brought out, when we face all sorts of trials. And you know, we can think about um, many people Yeah, I'm sure you have an example, you know of someone or you watch the story, where somebody with a um, disadvantage in life, really, really bad circumstances, maybe even a, a disability, and you're just blown away at how joyful they are, like how much they love life. There's like this hope. There's just you're just you're blown away by that. You 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 know the kind of people I'm talking about. You've met those kinds of people, hey? And we are surprised when we see that. But the the fact is, clearly joy is not tied to immediate circumstances or situations. If, if we meet people like that, we have to discon disconnect joy from circumstances, right? But that's often not how we live our lives, is it? We tend to live our lives so connected to our immediate circumstances and our surroundings, what we're going through, right? I wasn't very joyful on Thursday afternoon. This is my confession moment. Do you remember Thursday, the, um, 
the weather changed, hey? It was supposed to be, you know, my, my wife had a dentist appointment. They canceled on her because they expected the worst of the weather. And it was a pretty sucky day. It was like wet and slushy, you know, it wasn't snow. It was that other stuff that comes down and just it, everywhere you walked was terrible. So by the end of the day, my wife needed to, to leave to go do a few things. She took the car. So I was without vehicle. She was going to pick me up a little later. And um, what, ha- what happened was 10 minutes later, she called me and said, ah, got a puncture <laughs> all right yeah and it was just as it got a little worse like three four o'clock in the afternoon so not, luckily Nadine Ocredo who witnessed my um sorry, I'm not calling you Nadine but I am referring ref- referencing you uh, Nadine was working in the waypoint and she's like I can give you a ride to your wife I'm like thank you so much I had to lock up I get to Tanya we don't have a spare all right I canceled CAA like a few weeks before because I said to myself I've been paying it for years never use it Okay, classic mistake, classic mistake. So Nadine's like, I've got a spare. I'm like, okay, you know, let's try it. So here I am jacking up our car, the motel, getting her, you know, spare out, doesn't fit. Okay, well, I've got, I've just put my winters on, fresh, like a few days. So now, like, could you take me home, please, so I can get my summer, leave Tanya at the motel, you know, I don't know why. In hindsight, it was a bad idea. Um, and anyway, Nadine drove. But, but while, while, while I'm trying to change the tire, jacking up this vehicle, snow and sleet in my, you know, my shoes are drenched. I'm cold. My gloves are wet. There was a moment where I got up and I yelled out. I exclaimed, I hate life. And then I carried on, you know, poor, poor Nadine. Like, she wouldn't have, Tanya's there, she's like, this is so embarrassing, he's, he's, he's the pastor of our church. And, and anyway, um, I, I don't actually hate life, okay, just so you know. But I was stuck in that moment. I, in that moment, I lost sight of every other moment that has been before and any, every moment that was about to come. I had forgotten about the fact that, yeah, in a few hours, I'd be in my house, I'd be warm, and maybe some hot chocolate, in a few hours... All will be well, okay? The next day, my tire will be repaired. I lost sight of it because I was stuck in that moment. Because that's how we live our lives. But you know, Christian joy, you know, the opposite of what I experienced in that moment. Christian joy, as we see the Bible teaches, certainly as James chapter 1 that we just read right now, it tells us that joy is experienced as a believer in this sort of strange way. It's like an emotional cocktail that consists of now and later truths. It consists of now and not yet truths. Those are all emotions, or emotions flow out of those realities. And I'm going to try and explain it to you uh, over the rest of this sermon. Biblical or Christian joy is often uh, also connected to faith. Or at least joy is often done in faith or chosen in faith. You know, Hebrews 11 tells us that faith is the uh, confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we, we don't see. And so in many ways... When we, we can be joyful in a moment where the circumstances suck because we have faith that things would change, that this is not the end. And this is all over the scriptures, all over the Bible. In the Old Testament, you see in Nehemiah chapter 8, um, that's this famous uh, uh, Christian verse. It says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you need strength when you're weak, right? So in weakness, you call upon the joy of the Lord to get you through that moment, trusting that your weakness will be somehow supported by the Lord. And in that moment, actually, what happened was they discovered 
the law of the Lord, and they realized they fell horribly short of God's decrees, and they were weeping, they were sad, and Nehemiah said, hey, may the joy of the Lord be your strength. And you fast forward into the New Testament, and you see the disciples of Jesus. This is after he died and rose and ascended into heaven, and, and they were proclaiming the gospel, and they were getting persecuted for it. They were thrown into prison. And you see that in prison, in shackles, being tortured, falsely accused, they sang songs. There was joy. It was a chosen joy. It was a joy of faith. In other words, they had hope in the midst of hardship. That's, that's an incredible resource. And so as Christians, we extend the radius, in a sense, from the now to the not yet, from the now to, to the then. And, 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 it's, and it's a radius that goes far beyond just, oh, tomorrow morning it'll be better. Or, you know what, I can't wait for my vacation. I stretch my, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be joyful eventually. Or, or we stretch it out to, oh, maybe there's a bonus at the end of the year, you know. Um, or my investments will pay out dividends, you know. We, we extend that actually beyond this life even into the next. Our, 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 our joy is one that's based on everlasting hope, love, peace, and joy. And the Christian claim is that Jesus rose from the dead. Okay, He died on the cross in, in our place for our sins. Then he was raised from the dead. And then he was ascended into heaven. And if that is true, then actually this kind of joy in the midst of trials is not an unreasonable joy for us. We're not crazy Christians. Because if Jesus truly did conquer death, then there can be joy in trouble and pain. Then life can throw anything at us. Because even the final blow, which we may think is death, Jesus beat that. That's, that's the good news. Are you guys okay over there? You're worse than the kids, so maybe I should send you to, send you to the tables. <laughs> can I have a little bit of my water in the front there, please? It's nice that everybody's wearing Christmas sweaters and there's food at the back because, you know, we, can, we, we treat each other like family because we are family, right? We're not like a family. We are a family. All right, so it is Christmas. So let's read Luke chapter 2. This is, uh, you know, a, a classic announcement of joy. You, it's up on the screen there. Chapter 2, verses 8 to 11 says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, or, or the Christ, the Lord. Right, let me pray, and I'll pull out three quick points for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for an opportunity to be together as a family. Thank you for uh, what you have done for us by coming, living our life, dying our death, paying the penalty for our sins so that we could stand forgiven even as we were confessing uh, some of our uh, unforgiveness in, in our hearts. Lord, we thank you that we stand free and forgiven and that we can have everlasting joy as a result of that. Lord, as we look at these few verses and just the reality of joy, what it means to be a joyful believer Christian, would you help us, Lord, to be changed and shaped by your word today? And help me to preach through the kiddos in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> so, 
This is a familiar Christian story. Maybe if you're a guest here today, you don't go to church often, you would have seen maybe this scene on a Christmas card, you know, the angels announcing to the shepherds. We sang about that in some of our carols as well. Hark the, the herald, angels sing. Uh, this is that account over there. And, you know, the first response is terror, okay? Absolute terror, absolute horror, because these celestial beings are, are, are speaking to them. And it's amazing that good news comes in the middle of terror. And that's really Christianity. It's like, hey, there's, there's, you know, there's maybe all this brokenness, this pain, this fear, this, this uncertainty, and good news shines through. That's why we can have hope in the midst of our trials. You know, it's a little bit of a, 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 a small version of that. And the good news that the angels are giving to the shepherds is that Jesus, a Savior, a Messiah, or the Christ, is to be born or in Bethlehem, or in that case, was born, and they could go and find him. And, uh, you know, the word Messiah and Christ is maybe not a familiar word. It was a word that was used by the Israelites, a promised king, a deliverer, and the shepherds at that moment would have understood uh, a little bit of that at least because they were oppressed by the Romans. You know, the, the, Isra- the nation of Israel had a tough go for a couple of hundred years, okay? And so they were longing and looking forward. So this would have been very good news to a Jewish person indeed, that the Messiah, the Christ, the long-awaited uh, Redeemer, you telling me he arrived? You know, this would have been incredible. But it's not just a good story for that nation, the nation of Israel, because the angels say, for all people. And if I look around this room, I love just seeing the diversity. You know, I know that some people here, I mean, we're from South Africa. We've got people from the Philippines. Uh, we've got, we've got um, people from all over the world, you know, Brazilians. Nobody here from Argentina, right? Uh, who, uh, yeah, just checking, you know. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's for all peoples, you know, from all over the world. Isn't that incredible? That although that's, the promise came to the people of Israel, it was a promise for the whole world. That is the good news. And it says it will bring great joy. So I just want to look at three things okay, very quickly, and then we're done. I could mention more, but just three. And, uh, you know, maybe this is a Christmas carol hack, you know. You know, ghost of Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future. Is that how it goes? Yeah. So, you know, it's, I'm looking at the past, the present, and the future. So number one will be the joy of salvation. It's one of the great joys that Jesus brought, which has to do with our past. And uh, Hebrews 12, verse 2, um, I think it will be up on the screen. But this tells us about Jesus approaching the cross. It says, Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. So the joy that was before Jesus was a forgiven and free people, like many in this room, because his death, that cross that he was heading towards, would accomplish exactly that. As we heard in our confession moment, that the, the sin that we have committed against one another and ultimately against God, Jesus paid the penalty for that sin on the cross. And so for the joy of you and me, Responding to that gift, taking that gift of forgiveness, the joy of salvation, he endured the cross. And I was thinking as I was preparing for this of Psalm 51, which is a a psalm that David wrote. And actually, you know, even here, the the angel said in the town of David, you know, so this was one of the greatest kings in Israel's history. He made some proper mistakes in his life. At one stage, he committed adultery with a woman and then he got her husband murdered. So that he could be with her. I mean, that's, that's pretty bad. He had, he had broken, you know, every moral law in that sense. 
And he writes a psalm crying out to God to forgive him. He gets called out by a prophet. And, and just one of the lines, I'll just read it to you. It's, it should be up on the screen. Psalm 51, verse 12. He says, restore to me the joy, the joy of my salvation. So after he sinned greatly, he knew that he could be forgiven. And, 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 and as we were confessing here, we, we experienced the joy of forgiveness, the peace that comes when you know you've been reconciled with someone. That is the joy that Jesus ushered in. We know as Christians that our sin is paid for. And so the guilt that may come from that, the shame often of even being sinned against, that all of that was upon Jesus. And when the angels announced his birth, they set that plan of God into motion. It was already in motion, but you know, it was like ground zero. It's like it, the, the, it hit the tar running. I don't know. That's the best I can do right now. So joy of our salvation. Our past is taken care of because of the coming of Jesus. Our future sins too. All of it on that cross as he was dying there in our place. The second thing is the joy of the Holy Spirit, which is what we receive in, in the present as forgiven people, people whose sins are not counted against them, an unholy people could not and cannot approach a holy God. But Jesus made sure that we as unholy, sinful people can come to a holy God because of the sin that he paid for. Now that we are justified, in other words, our sin is taken care of, God can draw even closer by his spirit. This is an amazing, forgiven people can have God in them. Christmas is the declaration that God came to be with us but Jesus kept on taking it even further. That when he ascended into heaven, he said, I'm going to send my spirit so I can be with all of you at the same time. And it can happen now because your sin is paid for. In other words, I can live in you, a sinful person, even though I, God, am perfect. Isn't that, that's, that's, that's an amazing story. And so in John chapter 16, Jesus says to his disciples, in verse 22, it should be up on the screen. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. That's a great promise. And when Jesus was speaking to his disciples here, he spoke in two ways. He spoke of the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said to them, I must go to the Father so that I could send the Spirit. And he was also talking about his return. You know, we're calling this series Advent Squared, okay? And we, we're basically saying Advent is celebrating the arrival of a king, what the angels announced to the shepherds, but it's also anticipating the second coming, the arrival of him again. And so in this moment, Jesus was talking both about him sending his spirit, but then also saying, one day I will return bodily to set things straight. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 21 to 22 says this, should be up on the screen again. After that Advent slide, it's the next one. There we go. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. That's what we walk with in the now. Our past is taken care of. And presently we have the Holy Spirit as a deposit. I love that. It's like a down payment. Saying the rest is coming. I'm securing it. Keep it. Hold it. 
And also, it's, he sets his seal of ownership on us. And the Bible tells us that the job of the Holy Spirit is to help us cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. To, to, to remind us that we are children now. When we trust in Jesus, we are adopted into the family of God. We are born again. That's what we sang about. Born that man may have second birth, is one of the, what one of the carols said. A new creation. Children of our Father. The Holy Spirit reminds us. It doesn't matter what goes on, how bad the circumstances are around us. We are children of the Father. And He promised that He would, come, he would return. Jesus would return. The son would come back. And we know he will come back because we're celebrating Christmas. He came the first time. He kept his first promise. He's going to keep his second promise. And you know, the Holy Spirit in us produces in us joy as well. Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. They should be up on screen now, all of them there. But one of the fruits there is joy. Let's, let's go to Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And so if the Holy Spirit is in us, you know how fruit works. You know how botanical stuff rolls. It grows. And so over time, we find ourselves more joyful. We grow as a result of the Holy Spirit's work in us. So joy of the Holy Spirit in our present. But then the last one, the joy of just having faith, or the joy of faith. That's looking at our future. If that first scripture we read about you know, count it pure joy when you face all kinds of trials, then actually there's joy as we, as we look ahead to when one day there won't be any more sin, sadness, sickness, and suffering. When Jesus returns, the second advent, he will do away with that. And, and we have the pleasure right now of living this adventure of like dodging, you know, the things that come our way in life. Sometimes it hits us square in the face. We dust ourselves off. We're still joyful because we're not determined by the now. But we live in this tension of the now and the not yet. He's going to sort it out. And there's the Holy Spirit in me, the presence of God, the deposit guaranteeing what's to come. I'm fine. I mean, yeah, I look a little beaten up right now. But this is not the end of my story. The joy of living out our faith to endure and to persevere and to be patient in the trials. This is the great joy that we experience. And the Bible tells us that there will be a great banquet at the end. When he returns, there will be this amazing supper. They call it the wedding supper of the Lamb of God, the one who gave his life, the Lamb, the sacrifice. And we as his people will marry Jesus. The Bible describes him as a bridegroom. So you know what weddings are like. Lots of food, lots of celebration. That's what we look forward to. And that's why when we take communion, it's this meal in the middle. We eat and, and drink in that moment, thinking one day we will eat with Jesus. And we, in this moment, we celebrate the fact that he's with us by his spirit, and he's going to come back again. This, this joy of living out our faith, trusting him day in and day out, it's a wonderful thing that we're invited into. It is an adventure to be a Christian. And food is a wonderful reminder of that. Every time we eat, we should think about that great feast that is coming our way. When Jesus returns. And so that's how we're going to end off our service. By just eating together. A joyful meal over this Christmas time. Celebrating the fact that Jesus has come. If you know your history, it's a fact. Split the calendar in half. And he promised he would come again. And right now, we celebrate and we eat and we wait and we encourage each other. 
And when we send each other texts like, oh, you will not believe what happened in my life, we can do a little heart on it. And we can go, man, what a blessing. I'm going to stay. You can rejoice. And, and we can act crazy to the world around us going, where you get your joy from? And we can say, we get it from Jesus. Because he gave us the gift. It's all about presence this time. He gave us the gift of his spirit because of what he accomplished. So let's end off by singing uh, Joy to the World. I think you guys have got it queued up, hey? <laughs> and when we're done there, we can all stuff our pie holes. Okay. Let me pray. <laughs> Lord, thank you so much for um, an opportunity to gather together as a church, as a family. And we thank you that the great joy that was announced to those shepherds, it's still good news to us and causes great joy in us. We thank you that we are forgiven. We are free. The joy of salvation is restored to us. Every time we make a mistake, we, can, we know you forgave us. And we receive your forgiveness. And the joy that comes as a result of that. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit that empowers us. That reminds us that we are children. We thank you that the Holy Spirit walks with us day in and day out. And we thank you that you have given us faith. You've given us hope. You've given us a future. And we thank you that you walk with us through this adventure of life. And we look forward to the day when you would return and set all things straight. And do away with the things we have to endure and persevere through now. One day, that would not be the case anymore. And so help us to celebrate appropriately tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.